0: This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for April 1st, 2012, Palm Sunday. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 12, verses 12 through 16. The message is by Father Ron Baird. I asked um, last week that you spend these last couple of weeks of Lent looking at humility, at humbling yourselves and truly becoming a slave to Christ. What does it mean to surrender your own will to Jesus Christ? We have an example of that in today's uh, lesson from the Passion. And um, it's not just Jesus, although that's obviously the the premier example. But there's also an example in the little things. Did you notice that when it came time to celebrate the Passover, they didn't know where they were going to go? Now, that would be hard for us to fathom, wouldn't it? We're having a big party, and we don't even know where we're having it, and it's that day. I mean, we wouldn't really know what to do. And so, because Jesus trusts the Father implicitly, and because the disciples trust Him, He says to them, go into town. Now, they're in Bethany, which is just outside. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, I guess being in Clintonville. And He says, go into you know, downtown Columbus. And and he says, go into town, and you will see a man carrying a water jar. And when you see him, follow him. Now, you might think that's terribly strange, except that by and large, men didn't carry water jars, so at least we knew that there was something unusual going on, because it was the women and the children who always had to carry the water. Um, So for a man to be carrying a water jar was not uh, impossible, I mean, not something that would never happen, but wasn't a common event. Although at Passover, pretty much everybody pitched in and helped out. But in our mind, we'd be going, how do I know it's the right guy? And why don't I ask him where I'm going instead of following him? You all ever think about that? So who, who do you think this guy is carrying the water jar? Yeah, he's a servant. What type would you think? Slave. Yeah, he's a delivery person, probably, isn't he? He's delivering it somewhere. So if they said, you know, we're with Jesus of Nazareth. Do you know where we're supposed to celebrate the Passover? What would the guy likely say? I don't have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> who, who? Who's Jesus? Jesus guy. I mean, he would have been lost. And so. Jesus doesn't say, ask him. He says, follow him. And the disciples have to make a decision at that point. One is, do I need more specific instruction before I'm willing to set out on this endeavor to try to find this place? Two, how do I know that the guy I'm following, the delivery person I'm following, is actually the right delivery person? What happens if I get the wrong delivery person? Because now I'm going to go up, and he's going to go into somebody's house, and I'm going to walk in and say, the master needs to celebrate the Passover. Show us where it's going to be held. What if it's the wrong house? That would be really embarrassing, wouldn't it? But that's exactly what they do. It tells us a lot about what humility in following Jesus really looks like. It looks like being willing to follow his instructions to be willing to to simply um, do what he gives you to do in the moment and not question it, not think ahead of him. Simply say, yes, Lord, I will do that. And as it turns out, it was the right house, wasn't it? We also saw the same thing. He said, I want you to go down by the gate. This is when the Palm Sunday procession before that was coming. And he says, there you will see a colt, a young donkey, tie it up, untie it, and bring it to me. Now, that would be equivalent to my saying, down here at Drug Mart on the corner of Polaris and South Old State Street, you're going to see a really decked out minivan, and I want you to go in, hotwire it, and bring it back to me. You'd be going, huh? I mean, this is somebody's property, and animals are expensive. I mean, they're not cheap. I mean, it would be equivalent to a car today. And, and well, you know, what do we do? And so Jesus says, if anybody says anything to you about it, you not have happen to mention if it was the police or not, if anybody says anything to you about it, simply say, the master needs it. He'll give it, send it back immediately. Well, that'll make it okay, won't it? And yet, they do it. They don't question it. And that's the donkey that he rode into Jerusalem on. And even more strangely is that when the bystanders, and and chances were they weren't the people who owned the donkey. I mean, it doesn't say the owner, it says people who were bystanders. When, When they saw it, they said, why are you untying that donkey? Oh, the master needs it. He'll send it back here immediately. All right. And they let him go. Because following God is like that what we'd really like is for God to sort of map it all out for us and show us, you know, all the steps so that we know and, and especially show us exactly what the conclusion would be. But even though he does actually show us that the conclusion ultimately will always be good, we don't, aren't so worried about that as we are, how long will it take and what comes in between, right? Because if it's going to take, you know, 50 years, I'm not so sure I'm in for the ride. You know, I want mine now. But to be humble, to be a slave, to be a servant means to obey. It means to simply do what you were called to do. And of course, Jesus is the ultimate example of that. In the hymn that was taken from the letter to the Philippians that Paul quotes, he's actually quoting a hymn in there. He said, Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be held on to, but rather he humbled himself and took the form of a slave. Becoming a slave, he became obedient. Obedient unto death. Even death on a cross. And it's because of that that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what it's like to be a servant. It's to fulfill the wishes of the master, to be obedient, to not see great positions or titles or respect or honor or any of those things as something to be held on to, but rather to take the form of a slave. That's really hard for us been hard for us since we were in the Garden of Eden. I mean, it's not something new, but it is the path to life. Just like for Jesus, it was the path of life. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not what I want, but what you want. The question for us is, are we willing to be slaves to Christ? Not slaves to humans, because that's the blind leading the blind but slaves to Christ. Because as Paul tells us elsewhere, he said, you, every one of us will be a slave to something. You might be a slave to your own ego. You might be a slave to um, dependency upon a substance or a person. You might be the slave to your reputation. You might be a slave to your kids. I know some of you probably felt that way sometimes. We'll all be slaves to something. If you want perfect freedom, it's to be a slave to Christ. You know, you might be a slave to your job, or would you rather be a slave to Christ? Which one's the better master? You can be a slave to money, or you can be a slave to Christ. Which one's the better master? That's really the, the fundamental question that is the heart of the Christian journey. It's not, are we going to serve someone? Who are we going to serve? And when we serve, we don't take the lead. Yeah, you know, they call people now in, in restaurants, they used to call them waitresses and then waiters, but I guess those aren't, I always thought that was interesting. It's probably because they don't really wait anymore. They go off and do something else, and you have to get them to come back but do you remember back a long time ago when they used to have a lot of people, and there would be people standing around while you were eating, watching for you to finish something or to, um, you know, to need a refill in your coffee or something. I mean, they'd be right there. Anybody remember those days? Yeah, I mean, it used to be like that. You'd have three or four people standing there. I guess it didn't become very cost effective. But so they were called waiters. Now they call them servers. But can you imagine if you went to a restaurant? And the server said, how can I help you? And you say, well, I think I would like um, a double cheeseburger with bacon and, and, um, and extra cheese and mayonnaise, lots of mayonnaise. And they said, you know, I can't give that to you. You're a little on a chubby side already. It's really not good for you. You know, have you thought about a, a veggie wrap? What would you say to them? Well, what? (laughs) You'd probably be stunned for a while, wouldn't you? No, I don't want a veggie wrap. I want what I ordered. That's why I came in here. But they said, look, you know, I can't be responsible for your cholesterol. And it doesn't look like it would be good right now. So I'm not going there. And you said, look, I, I mean, I really don't care what you think about my cholesterol. I want the double cheeseburger the way I ordered it. And they go, well, how long do you think it's going to take me to get all that done? The veggie wrap's already sitting back there. I can get it done quickly. It'd be much easier. And it costs the same amount of money. What difference does it make to you? What would you think of that servant? Want to give him a raise? Big tip? i give him a big tip, which is find a different job, (laughs) but... But aren't we like that with God? That's if we bother to remember that we're supposed to serve Him to begin with. An awful lot of time we seem to think God's supposed to serve us, and we don't, you know, get in touch with Him until we need something. You know, I've often thought. Imagine this: if if Christianity was one of those things that instead of that, when we need something, we said a prayer. That if when we need something, we rang a bell. What do you think it'd be like in the world? You know, do you remember back in the old days, they used to have, when you were sick, you had a bell next to your Did You, know, you do that with your mother, give you a bell to ring when you were sick. Ding, 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 It'd drive us all crazy, wouldn't it? Is, is that what you do to follow Jesus? When you need him, you ring your bell so he can come running? Because if it is, who's serving who? If we are to serve Christ, We truly must become waiters and slaves. We truly must get back to listening to him and anticipating what it is that he will want from us and what we can do for him, not what he can do for us. And trust that in doing that, we will find more freedom than we've ever known in our life. I know it seems paradoxical that to truly be free, you have to become a slave, The truth is, is we're all slaves. It's only a matter of who's your master and who are you going to serve. It's just like a dog, if you think about it. You know, if you are a dog who lives in my house, you got it pretty good. I mean, chances are, if you're not doing something particularly bad, there's not much problem. I mean, the most you might get is, why are you in there? (laughs) You know, Oh, Joe, anybody have dogs? My dog always looks up there, like, oh, I didn't know. And he kind of comes out. And, I mean, but he he but he does obey, which is interesting, because if I say, Murphy, come, immediately he comes to me. He's a slave. But in that slavery for him is perfect freedom, let me tell you. On the other hand, you could be a dog who has an owner who's a a, a puppy mill breeder who abuses and kicks the dog and when the dog's finally worn out and of no use, starves him to death or throws him out for no good. That's the choice between humility and pride for us. When we choose to serve the Lord, we become like a dog who has an incredibly generous master where all of our needs and wants really are granted far beyond our ask for or imagining. Maybe not our immediate wants, but our great wants. Or we can serve the world in whichever way you happen to be a slave to the world and find that ultimately all the loyalty, all the hard work, all the dedication, all that stuff you put in didn't really matter. They won't even give you a watch anymore, by the way, when you retire. I mean those days are over. Because, truly, they are not the kind master. They are not the good shepherd. And so, as we walk this journey of Holy Week, I want encourage you to really think about that. As you try, particularly as you try to look at what services will you attend? What will you do? Because that's really what the path of Holy Week is about. It was started in the 300s. Did you all know that? Early 300s that people started doing this. So 1,700 years, people have been doing these services. It was started because Bishop Carroll of Jerusalem had a problem. He had a lot of pilgrims coming into Jerusalem, and if they didn't have anything to do, they tended to do things they ought not to do. So he decided, I think we need to keep them busy. And so he came up with these things to do we do them to relive what it means to be humble, what it means to sacrifice, what it means to be a slave to freedom. Because when we discover that in that kind of slavery, we truly become ourselves, then we are free to live in the kingdom of God. And so I pray that you'll continue To look at your own humility, your own groundedness, but you'll continue to sacrifice your own willfulness and pride, not, not to humans again, but to God, so that you might find the joy of what it really means to be raised from the dead. Amen. You were just listening to Come and See. Come and see is a production of St. Andrew's Anglican Church in the Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.